Hey everyone, it's Jason, fearless leader of Local Color. Before we jump into this week's episode, I just want to say Local Color's doing another live show. This time I'll be at Exit the Apple Art Space interviewing artist, business owner, and all-around free spirit, Pierre Benu. Tickets are available through Eventbrite, localcolor at exittheapple.eventbrite.com. They're only three bucks. The link to the Eventbrite is on the podcast's IG. Hope to see you there. People don't talk a lot about the dark side of entrepreneurship. There's a lot of hard days. There's a lot of no's. There's a lot of doubt. And you'll find that there are some tough times. There will be bouts with depression. Hey, everyone. I'm Jason V. This is Local Color, a show about the local color that makes Baltimore great. Today's guest is McKeever Conwell, a software engineer and tech investor who aspires to be the Whitney Young of black tech in Baltimore. McKeever's been through several startup accelerators and has in-depth insight on what it's like to pitch and win investment rounds, as well as go from a six-figure salary to a luxurious diet of ramen noodles. Stay tuned. McKeever is a Baltimore guy through and through. Lived a little bit in Baltimore City, but grew up mostly in Baltimore County. Uh, Graduate uh, Woodlawn High School. Uh, Went to Morgan State. Growing up, McKeever was in that undefinable group. He was a nerd that liked anime and reading manga, but was also a talented athlete. I'm, I'm a geek at heart, right? So, you know, I was in the engineering club. I founded the robotics club in Woodlawn, but also played football and I did track. So I was like the only guy on the football team who was also in the magnet program. So it was, it was always this thing of being smart, but wanting to be one of the cool kids. I was never really either or. I was just kind of always in the middle. Being one of the cool kids entailed having an apathetic outlook towards school and following trends. In the best way possible, McKeever couldn't fake being cool if he tried. I wasn't like my cousins, you know. They were in the streets and stuff, and I just wanted to play video games all day. So it was like this internal struggle of, was I cool enough or was I black enough kind of thing being here in Baltimore. I just got to a point where I was just comfortable being me. It took time, and I would also say... Being on the football team at Woodlawn helped a lot. I had to toughen up. Just because I like stuff different doesn't make me a punk. Doesn't make me any less black than you. Just, you know, I like comic books and I like manga and anime. That's just, that's what I like. School teaches us many things except how to be comfortable in our own skin. McKeever had helped navigating Woodlawn High's social scene by way of his football and track teammates, but also because he was a nerdy kid, as he tells it. All the magnet kids took our classes together, so they kind of like isolated all the smart kids from everybody else. When no smart kid going to pick on another smart kid, just didn't make sense. High school successfully navigated, McKeever graduated and went to Morgan State University. Following his high school dreams, McKeever thought he'd graduate from Morgan with a degree in engineering, but... I actually didn't graduate from Morgan. I dropped out. I dropped out of Morgan my junior year. We'll come back to that in a bit. As a Baltimore kid, McKeever noticed something strange about Morgan's student body... Everybody was from Prince George's County in D.C., which was weird. It was like it was like a language I'd never heard of. They listened to a completely different type of music. It was it was interesting, but it was great to be around my people because that's what I'm used to. Right. I'm used to being around black people. McKeever had a successful first year at Morgan. He maintained a good GPA and had a vibrant social life. Two events would make McKeever drop out of Morgan. My sophomore year in college my father passed away things got really tough that same year i got a co-op opportunity with uh the department of defense 
where I got a top secret security clearance. The way it works is every other semester you work for the DOD and they pay you 34,000, the equivalent of 34,000 a year to do this. So it's like being a full-time employee. One day I'm there and I'm working. I was doing software development. I'm doing um, Python code. But I was sitting there and I'm coding and the guy next to me makes 85,000 a year. And I'm sitting here making the equivalent of 34,000 a year, but we're doing the exact same work. And I was just like, yo, this is whack. Like we do the exact same work. Why am I still going to school? Because for me, I went to school to make money. Like, you know, some people go to school to learn. I came from a family where we know we were middle class. We were lower middle class, you know, didn't have a lot of the things I wanted. The, the, the whole paradigm of why I was going to college and what was around me just shifted. And so my junior year, I dropped out of college and just put my resume on Monster. And I got it. And I got a job as doing a database administration, something I knew nothing about. Having no knowledge of database administration didn't deter McKeever because he had a plan. I had six weeks before I started the job, so I did an online tutorial, kind of taught myself. And those first two months on the job, man, I just soaked up everything they were asking me and wanted me to do. And uh, within four months of being on the job, I was good. Like, I, like I, I knew what to do. I had my job down. I was having fun. And, you know, that was kind of the beginning of my transition to the technology field and my technology career. No doubt, making more than 34 grand a year. But McKeever said he wanted to go into engineering and robotics. Why did he pivot to database administration and software development? My senior year of high school, I took a visual basics class, but I didn't know what it was. I just knew it was something that was kind of cool and I was good at it. I didn't realize we were doing software programming back then. And then when I got to Morgan, I told them like, hey, you know, I want to do robotics. Robotics is my thing. It's what I'm into. They said, oh, if you want to do robotics, you want to be in the computer science department. That's where they do all that stuff. So I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, no, they got me. So all the robotics and everything happens in electrical engineering, computer engineering. But I didn't know that. Like, you know, for whatever reason, going into college, most kids just don't know what any of the majors are, or what they mean. I took my first computer science course and it was easy. I was like, okay, this is easy. And then I found out how much computer scientists make. I'm like, I'm acing through this class. I know I see what is going on. And they pay good money getting out of college. I roll with this. That's, that's kind of how that happened. McKeever became very successful at a young age. At 20 years old, he was making over 60K in a competitive industry. By 23, I had a six-figure job, three cars, and a four-story townhome. Never mind who drove the other two cars. If McKeever's life were a movie, this would be the part where the existential dread set in. Then I got to a point when I was 25, and I was trying to figure out what was there more in life. You know, I had the good job, I had the house, I had the cars. I wasn't ready to be married or anything, but it's like, so, so what's next? And there really wasn't any answer to that. That feeling of wanting more came in the form of friends with an idea. I had some friends around me who were interested in, you know, the whole tech entrepreneurship thing, you know, you know. I had this one friend in particular, his name's uh, Patrick Jackson. He's the CTO for a company in San Francisco now. One of the smartest dudes I know, one of the greatest software engineers I know, security dude. He wanted to be the black Mark Zuckerberg. And so he built this web app called Buku for uh, students at Howard University to um, sell their, their books and other products on campus. And it was like a mind-blowing thing to realize I had the skill set where I could build something for relatively cheap and make money while I sleep. And that kind of started this, this pathway of thinking through like how to do a website or start a business. So then two of my friends decided they want to start a website like that. And I was like, yo, you're not going to start that without me. And so the three of us started working on what was then called nobadgift.com. 
The fire of passion aflame in his heart, Makira decided to give the whole entrepreneurship thing a go. Things were going great, and in the process of starting a business, McKeever learned he had a knack for something other than programming. I started networking. I started going to events. And when I went to events, I started meeting people who knew more information and, you know, were connecting me to other people. And all these opportunities started coming. So at one point, my two co-founders came to me like, yo, Mac, you just stop doing all the coding and you just focus on that. And that was this transition from being a software developer to being a startup CEO. Despite his talent at networking, McKeever knew he had a lot to learn. In a stroke of unexpected genius, McKeever's reaching out for help opened a lot of doors. There's this Facebook group in Baltimore called Baltimore Tech. Everybody who's anybody in the Baltimore Tech Spears is on this group. One day, I was trying to figure out how do I pitch to investors, and I realized there's this thing. There's never an okay time to fail at pitching. You only pitch at competitions or in front of investors. So there's no place where it's okay to fail. And so I just asked all these people like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about throwing this practice, your pitch session at my house. I don't know anything about this, but I need a place to practice. Anybody want to join me? I got a projector and we can figure it out. There was a guy in that group who said, hey, you can use our office space to do this. I'm like, all right, cool. And next thing I know, it became this whole huge thing. And that kind of started this rocket launching of a 2012 year for me and my team. Following that, we got accepted into the first class of Accelerate Baltimore, which was amazing. You know, we got $25,000 and introduced to these advisors. Accelerate Baltimore is a startup accelerator. You might be asking yourself what that is. Startup accelerators provide mentoring, networking, and most importantly, seed funding to startups, putting them on the fast track to success or failure. McKeever's experience with Accelerate Baltimore was good and very educational. We learned pretty early on why investors don't invest in companies that are like first time founders and really early because you really don't know what you're going to use your money for. We had $25,000 and we blew a bunch of it because we didn't really know what to use it for. We didn't know the right ways to use it. And those were some hard lessons. After completing Accelerate Baltimore, McKeever and company traveled to the San Francisco area for the New Me Accelerator, a startup program specifically for entrepreneurs of color. Though the Baltimore Accelerator taught them a lot, New Me was all the way live. Accelerate Baltimore, you weren't there full time. You kind of made up your own hours and you kind of figured it out. San Francisco, we were, you know, in the office every day. And I was the one who lived in the, the founder house, which was a four bedroom apartment, eight people sleeping like on Ikea bunk beds with one bathroom. So it was a really small place, but you know, you made it work. McKeever's time in San Francisco was grueling and incredibly rewarding. Being in the heart of Silicon Valley gave his team access to some of the most revered entrepreneurs and influencers in the tech industry. My first week there, I met Eric Reese, the writer of Lean Startup. We met Mitch Kapoor. He's a super angel. We met Ben Horowitz from Andreessen Horowitz. If you're plugged into the tech and business world, you know what a super angel is. For the rest of us, McKeever explains. An angel investor is somebody who can invest their own individual money into companies. A super angel is somebody who has so much money that they can invest almost like if they were a venture capitalist firm. You know, like somebody who has like $100,000, they can personally invest in people. Venture capitalists search for and invest in what they hope to be the next big company. Big as in Facebook big or Instagram big. They don't do it out of the kindness of their hearts, though. They want exponential growth in that company so they can see an exponential return on their investment. 
What's the name of that one Wu-Tang song? Eh, anyway. While in San Francisco, one encounter blew McKeever away. We also met the first um, engineer at Dropbox, who's a black guy. Really? Didn't know that. If you don't know what Dropbox is, it was one of the first apps to really harness the power of cloud storage. If you don't know what cloud storage is, basically you save something on a server somewhere in the Midwest and you can access it anywhere. Google Drive is an example of cloud storage. San Francisco was a great learning experience for McKeever and crew. It especially taught them how important it is to have grit and stick to itiveness. We spent three years working on the company. We had learned a lot. We had changed our platform around, went through some ups and downs. And um, right around the time we wanted to shut the company down, a large Fortune 500 company reached out to us like, hey, we're still playing with this. Can we keep playing with this? The gang ended up selling the technology and code for their first startup to a Fortune 500 company for an undisclosed amount. Even though they successfully sold their business, cash flow was still an issue. When participating in a business accelerator, you're essentially unemployed. I got a job because I just needed money. And by this point, I went from three cars to one car. So, you know, things are getting tight. And I decided to start another company. I pulled a team together, started working on some stuff, and got that company into the Dream, Adventure, the Dream Adventures Accelerator in Philadelphia. Another accelerator, another stretch of time working nonstop, only this time McKeever wasn't rubbing elbows with the titans of Silicon Valley and living in the Golden State. So here I am going to do the whole accelerator thing again, going out to Philly, living for three months in a one-bedroom law with two other grown men, you know, in the middle of the hood in West Philly, taking the train every day down to Drexel to do our work. My lead developer ended up quitting halfway through the program. In the tech world, the lead developer is like a project manager. They know what needs to be done, when to do it, and who to delegate the tasks to. It put McKeever in a pretty tough spot. We were left with code that wasn't fully stable, wasn't where we wanted it to be. The startup suffered a fatal blow before it could really get off the ground. If McKeever's life were a movie, this is where it all came crashing down. I come home, uh, and this is you know, four years into the entrepreneurial journey, and I had to sell my house. Only had one car now and technically didn't have a job at the time. So I took on a position at um, a, a local marketing firm here in Baltimore and I was the lead um, developer for the project team. So I'm back to doing software development. It wasn't a good feeling to go from CEO to lead developer at a marketing firm. Despite having a stable income, it was essentially a demotion. To top it all off, McKeever ended up leaving the company, not over the work or the pay, but over his conscience. The same week the Philip Castile incident happened, the company I worked for got approached for a contract working with an organization that supported gun rights. And I told them, I was like, yo, you know, this ain't, this ain't gonna work for me. Well, they closed that deal. So the day they closed that deal, I resigned. I told them I resigned because as a black man, I couldn't work for an organization that did work for this other group. Um, they didn't know what to do, they didn't know what to say, but I was out. That same week McKeever resigned from the marketing firm, a new opportunity arose, one more in line with his experience and ambitions. I saw this job opening at Tedco, and Tedco, for lack of a better term, is an investment firm. You know, they do investments in companies in the state of Maryland. I reached out to somebody I knew who worked there. I was like, hey, you think I'd be a good fit? And they're like, yeah, you might be a really good fit. But you got to remember now, I'm a big black guy with dreads, no college degree. I've been a software engineer for almost 11 years at this point, and I've run two companies. 
And neither one of those companies had any really gigantic outcome. Simply put, on paper, McKeever was a bust. No degree, gaps of unemployment when he was at the business accelerators. Who'd want to hire him? McKeever knew it'd be an uphill battle to get in at Tedco, and he was ready to fight. I know I have a lot of knowledge around early stage startups and technologies, and so I applied anyway. And when I applied, I reached out to people in the community. I reached out to the two black board members. And both of them gave me recommendations. You know, I tried to pull all the resources I could because I like, this could be a life-changing, career-changing move for me. And I didn't get the job I applied for after almost three and a half months of interviewing. But they liked me so much, they knew they needed me in their organization. They started making changes in their organization and basically created a position for me. I've had this career as a software engineer, and I've had this career as a startup CEO, and now I'm starting a new career as an investor. You don't find many black investors out there. McKeever jumped around a lot when detailing his adventures in entrepreneurship and business accelerators, so we set a timeline for listeners. So in your in your journey, just to get a firm timeline, you left Morgan in, what, 2004? 2007. Okay, so you left Morgan in 2007. Your first job was 2007. Mm -hmm. And then the second job, or no, 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 I'm sorry. You left Morgan in 2007. Your first company was in... 2011. Your first company was in 2011. Between 2007 and 2011, McKeever hopped between jobs before starting on his entrepreneurial journey. At one job in Baltimore, McKeever's boss believed in him so much, he allowed McKeever and his business partner to work part-time so they could spend more time on their first company, No Bad Gift. In 2012, that's when they left for San Francisco. So then from 2012 up until, what, like last year or this year, that's your, that was your like startup CEO entrepreneur journey? Yeah, it was my startup CEO entrepreneur journey. Um, I had some other jobs in between there just because, you know, you run out of cash somewhere along the line. So I'd have a job for like six months here or a year here, but always still working on my startup. In four years, McKeever experienced many ups and downs as a business professional and entrepreneur. We spent a lot of time talking about the physical and emotional aspect of everything, so I asked him. What was that like to go from, you know, your self-described lower middle class to making six figures and having three cars to just going back down to one car and selling your house? What was that like for you psychologically? Um, it's hard, man. So, like, people don't talk a lot about the dark side of entrepreneurship. There's a lot of hard days. There's a lot of no's. There's a lot of doubt. Some people go broke doing this. It's 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 tough. Your life is a, literally a roller coaster. You're either feeling way too high about things or way too low. Like it's never that, but that's how you always internalize it. And you'll find that there are some tough times. There will be bouts with depression. And one thing that helped me was having a core group of other entrepreneurs I knew who I could reach out to and talk to who understood. You know, because they were going through the same thing. But then also learning to balance my time. So, you know, it's easy to be a workaholic, but you'll realize there's always more work. No matter how many hours you put in, there's always going to be more work the very next day. Like, that's, that's just what it's going to be. And I had to learn to be able to take time out and go hang out with my friends. You know, spend time with my girlfriend. You know, and, and that was a transition that took time.
On the bright side, the hard times have made McKeever resilient and resourceful. In the back of my head, I always knew I could get all those things back, right? So like, you know, if I wanted to go out and get a six-figure job tomorrow being a software engineer, I probably could. Like, I know that. I know my value, my worth, and my career trajectory. Knowing your value and worth as a person of color is difficult. We won't even go into the minutia of internalized racism and the colonized consciousness. And McKeever explained that during his accelerator phases, the real detriment was investors not being able to relate to minorities. They invest in people they know and like. For minorities, they inherently have to combat the stereotype tax. To make it easy, you need to be twice as good. But stop me if you've heard that one before. As our interview ended, I asked McKeever what his future plans were. I like to say I want to be the Whitney Young of this generation. His whole his whole mindset was working from the inside. I want to do the same thing just on the investment world. So I want to get good at understanding how investment works and learning how this works to seeing how I can influence the world of investing from the inside. McKeever continues to work hard as an investor at Tedco, trying to change the world from the inside out. If you want to contact McKeever for advice or an investment opportunity, probably best way to reach me is through Twitter at Mac Conwell, M-A-C-C-O-N-W-E-L-L. Just hit me up. Today's episode of Local Color was written, produced, narrated, edited, and published by me, Jason V. Follow Local Color on Instagram at Local Color Podcast. You can also like Local Color on Facebook. Head to Local Color's website, localcolorpodcast.com, where you can listen to the entire catalog. Also, please subscribe to Local Color on iTunes to get those push notifications when new episodes drop. While you're on iTunes, please, please, please leave a five-star rating along with a review. Thanks for listening. I'm Jason V, and I'll be back with more Local Color.